Mental health is real with Dr. Milo Dotson, reflecting empathy and love. All right, so tonight we're also going to be doing a podcast. It's a podcast panel with the wonderful and beautiful Yessi Ortiz, host of 97.1 Amp Radio, co-host of Mental Health is R-E-A-L, real podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And joining her, her co-host is Dr. Milo Dotson, mental health is real, licensed psychologist. Come on up. Dr. Dotson. Joining them for this discussion is hip-hop artist Katori Walker. All right, all right, all right. I'll hand it over to you two. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Uh, We are so excited to be able to share our podcast, Mental Health is Reflecting Empathy and Love. Yes. Otherwise, it's Mental Health is Real. There's a little acronym there. And uh, we also want to thank you guys for being present. I mean, it takes, you know, when you talk about mental health, you kind of almost get people a little scared. You know, what what are we going to talk about? Is this a therapy session? (laughs) and, And what I get is, why are you analyzing me? Right. Don't judge me, doctor. Don't judge me. So that was the main reason why we wanted to do this podcast, because there's such a stigma in our black and brown communities. As being a Mexican-American woman, you know, you hear the term, no estés llorando, which don't cry. Um, You know, you hear the words, you know, suck it up, get over it. And I know Milo, growing up as a black man in our community. Yeah, absolutely. So when I was a, a young black boy, I didn't have the opportunity and I wasn't encouraged to express my emotions. In fact, I was told, don't express your emotions, don't cry, stop being a little girl, suck it up, get back out there. And I didn't actually feel supported in that, whatever people thought that they were actually trying to do. It was actually more limiting than supporting. Right, so that's important for us because as a platform that I have every single day on a daily basis, I get to meet some beautiful people. And I sometimes hear that their voices aren't being heard. So. When I met Milo, Milo has already been doing the work. I mean, he works at UC Irvine's Counseling Center. He's a senior staff psychologist there. He's worked with Common in his uh, Common Ground Foundation. As Dreamers and Believers Summer Youth Camp. He's also done work with Namdi Asamoah and Kerry Washington and AKA their foundation. Olivia Pope, any uh, Scandal fans? Scandal fans? Yeah, yeah. I know. And Tiger Woods Foundation as well. So. Meeting Milo and having my platform, it just kind of felt that we, we had to do something together. And I'm so thankful and honored to do this with Katori Walker because of his messaging that he provides to everyone. And um, without further ado, let's go ahead and welcome Katori Walker to the stage. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. You got a lot of fans out here. I do. A little and, bit. And on the stage too, we're fans too. I know you're gonna do, I know you're gonna have a little surprise for us towards the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yep. and we're really excited about that. We also want you guys to listen to our conversation and if you guys have any questions, um, we're, we are gonna save some time to have questions and answers towards the end of the, the podcast. And um, I'm gonna let these two gentlemen continue the conversation as I put on my producer hat. And I think, I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. So uh, without further ado, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Queen. Thank you, thank you. All right, good brother. Give it up one more time for this brother, please. 
Give it up two times for its off whites. <laughs> oh, Give it up for the off whites. <laughs> but I got the uh, the mental health awareness color, the lime green though. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it, it worked though. Thanks, man. It works. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. So man, so you're an amazing hip hop artist out of Pasadena, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pasadena, Pasadena, California. Hold on, me, hold, on me... hold on, hold on. Let's make some noise for Pasadena. Let them know. Hold up. All right, all right, all right, all right. Shout out to Pasadena. Yeah. And we know all about the work that you do and, and the artistry and the songs that you put out. The first question I want to ask you is, who is Katori Walker? Who are you? Um, well, first of all, you guys know that I'm an artist. Yes. Secondly, I am uh, a father, which yes. is an amazing yes. thing. beautiful. I have an amazing eight-month-old daughter. Her name is Mia. She's here somewhere. Wearing a Katori Walker t-shirt and support, number one fan. There she is. There's Mia. Make some noise for Mia. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I feel like, uh, just to explain myself, I feel like Katori is, uh, is uh, the best way I can say it is an extroverted introvert. I mean, okay. <laughs> introverted extrovert. So okay. someone that knows how to separate themselves, but someone that also knows how to include themselves. And someone that right. is very yeah. easygoing. I like to consider myself like a, a chameleon. Like, I know how to handle myself in every aspect of different crowds and stuff. You can like adapt that. and be flexible. Exactly. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's basically, to sum me up, I feel like, I would just say, like a social chameleon, a social butterfly. Okay. Cool. So as this social butterfly, as this chameleon, what drives you? What pushes you forward? What are those, those motivating factors for you? Well, there's a lot of motivating factors. Uh, one major one is, uh, I always told myself, just on a music aspect, um, I told myself I would never be happy doing something that I didn't love to do. You know what I'm saying? So yes. that drive of like, yo, I love doing music and that's one thing that I know for sure that's gonna make me happy, 100%. You know what I'm saying? So I don't feel like my life would be complete if I wasn't doing music. So that's okay. one thing that drives me. And then um, secondly is uh, like, I grew up not having much. Me, my siblings, my brothers, my sister, everybody, we grew up not having much. So that also drives me is like, yo, I have a child now, and I don't want her to experience the things that I experienced in the, in the tough and the hardships and stuff like that. Even though it made me a great person, I'm a great individual, I feel. You know what I'm sure, saying? Yeah. Um, but there were certain things that I wish I didn't have to go through to get to a certain place, and I don't want my daughter to experience those things or any children that follow after that. 100%. You know what I'm saying? And then another thing is, um, just, on, just to touch on ignorance, is uh, the death of my brother. That, that changed my perception on a lot of things. And, you know, you have... You have friends die, you have homies die, you have even cousins, but when it's someone that you slept next to, you know what I'm saying, someone in, in the bunk bed above you or the bunk bed right next to you, it's a different feeling, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that, that changed my life and changed my perspective forever. So that drives me and just seeing, like my mom and my dad, they're very strong people. And to see my mom cry, I never wanna see that again. You know what I'm saying? So that's what drives me. I want to see my mom happy. You know what I'm saying? I want to see my dad happy. So that driving factor and just knowing, like, yo, um, of course, the, the, the same thing is like, yo, we want to buy our mom a house. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what I'm saying? I, a lot of times I see my mom and I'm like, yo, she might ask me for something. I'm like, I'm supposed to be asking you. You're supposed to be the ball of shot caller. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, and right, I want right. that. I want that for my mom. And I just want her to live the best life possible. Same with my dad and stuff like that, too. So those Amen. driving factors is literally what pushed me so hard. I get that, man. I think um, growing up with just me and my mom, single parent household, I understand that, that strong connection. 
yeah. and how much you really, really just want to give back and be connected and show that love and receive that love. And I think what you're hitting on there is such a, a beautiful, unique perspective because in, in your video from, from Ignorance, yeah. when you're on the, the sidewalk, yeah. there's, a, there's such a powerful connection between the viewer. Has everybody seen the video that we're talking about from Ignorance? Yeah, so if you haven't seen it yet, like as a psychologist, I recommend it, but first and foremost, before I was a psychologist, I was a black man in America, and no matter what we do for a living, we're black men in America, so I highly, highly recommend that. So in the video, you have such a, this powerful, resonating connection with, with the camera, with the, yeah. and there's so much vulnerability, and there's so much raw emotion there. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, as an artist, and as a black, like, what was that like for you to think about all the prep leading up to that, but then also in filming that? Like, what is, what's that process like? It was, uh, it was very hurtful. Like, uh, the pain in that video was real pain. Yeah. Um, when my brother passed away, I thought about what did he feel like? What was the thoughts going through his head as, you know what I'm saying, he's bleeding out his neck and he's panicking and he don't know what to do. And I thought about that and I thought about what, where was his mind going? Why, why did this happen? Why did that cause that? Why did, you know what I'm saying, the other side do what they did to him? You know what I'm saying? Was it really for a purpose? And that consistently ran through my mind over and over. I literally couldn't sleep. Every, every night I'm waking up having nightmares of literally seeing his face and like wondering like, what did he feel like? And then I just, that was my depiction of what I felt he felt like. Like, yo, even though my brother lived a life, a certain life his way, nobody wants to die at all, no matter what, if you're in a gang or no matter if you doing reckless stuff with your life, nobody truly, truly wants to die, you know what I'm saying? Some people do want to numb pain, but nobody truly wants to die, you know? So, in that thought pattern running through my head, I'm like, yo, I have to paint a picture of what I think my brother's last moments were. Right, and right. And that's what that was. And it was, it was very tough. We, uh, it, was, it was actually tougher recording the song. Um, oh, like the vocals and everything? Yeah, because yeah, we shot the video like four or five months after he had passed away. But I wrote that song, literally, he passed away on a, on a Friday night slash Saturday morning. Literally, by that Monday, I wrote that song. And it was so much emotion, and I literally was crying as I released that, because I was so frustrated. Like, yo, like, I feel like, just to even go on to the next subject, like, I just feel like, as black people in America, like, we suffer from the hands of, let's just say, the hands of the man, and then the hands of the law, or the hands of the system, and then we want to fight with each other, too? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, come on now. Yeah. It's like, yo, let's, come on now. And, and you actually talk about that like when, when you're mentioning that just because you made a choice of, uh, or just because I made a choice of red versus blue, yeah. then there's that, the violence in the black community, as you've yeah. been talking about. Yeah. And I think the, the hands of the man and, and the policy, yeah. the policy is very real in the way that um, it impacts and negatively impacts our mental health. And what we see in psychology now and what I've seen in my clients is an increase in race-related stress. And so when people are coming in, I was on urgent care um, the day after the presidential election. Mm -hmm. and, and man, to be honest, I needed to talk to somebody that day. Yeah. And so to be able to hold space for people and just be like, you know what? Today sucks. Yeah. And there's, there's intentionality behind um, some of the, the, the triggers of policy, and I think we need to really, really address that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, just to even touch on what I felt, um, 
the day Trump was elected, that was it was scary. I don't know if everybody else was scared, but I was really scared. I didn't know Man, yeah. what was to come. You know what I'm saying? The fact that we all still here having this, you know what I'm saying? I didn't expect this. I just knew we were going to enter like a war or some type of crazy stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because of what comes out of his mouth, you know what I'm saying? Maybe he's not as, as bad as people make him seem, but what comes out of his mouth is like just a lot of things that I didn't agree with, you know what I'm saying? And it made me scared. It's like, yo, another thing that we got to deal with too? Another you know thing, yes. Another thing, and then like, I don't, I try not to be like a pessimist. I try to be optimistic about it, you know what I'm saying? But it was, a, it was, it was scary. It was really scary for me. Um, but I'm, I, I'd like to consider myself, like I said, an optimist and I always want to see the brighter side of things. Mental health is real. Reflecting empathy and love with Dr. Milo Dotson. Radical healing means that we resiliently remain committed to loving and being loved in the face of hatred and systemic oppression. So in, in that balance of finding the brighter side in things and the silver lining and being optimistic, when you're finding that you are stressed, how do you, how do you know that you're stressed? Because I think a lot of times we're just, we're being irritable with people or we feel sad or kind of lashing out or like you said earlier, we're numbing the pain with weed, we're numbing the pain with alcohol. Yeah. But for you, like how do you know in the first place that you're stressed? Um, well, I have anxiety. So sometimes, well my anxiety is a physical feeling, so I might get chest pains, I might yeah, uh, okay. get headaches, I might be lightheaded. Um, it's a physical feeling that I know I'm stressed. You know what I'm saying? Or if I feel like I can't, make a decision or I feel extremely unbalanced, like I, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. So it makes me fit, that is an indicator of stress for me, personally. I can't say what everybody else feels when they feel stressed, but for me personally, if I feel like I can't make a decision or if I feel like my judgment is cloudy or I feel like um, uh, a million things are coming at me once, at once, right. then that's how I know like, yo, my stress level is extremely high, extremely high, so. so in, in the journey that you've been on, have you found that there's been other outlets for that stress in addition to music, or is it really music for you? It's really music. So what amazed me was how much music was a stress reliever for me. So like just going back to the passing away of my brother, right? Um, when he passed away, I, all I can think about was I need to say something. And I couldn't run to my family because they're going through the same pain that I'm going through. So if I... Like I said, my mom is a strong person and she don't cry, right? But seeing her cry makes me want to cry. And then I just want to sit in my sorrows, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, yo, if I express this through music, you know what I'm saying? It's just literally just me and the mic is like my therapist, right? And then I just talk into the mic. I just talk and just say how I feel 100%. To be able to get it out. And just to, to be, be able, able to, get to it release out. it, yeah. Yeah, just to be able to get it out. And honestly, once I released that, I felt like, I skipped like a couple steps in the grieving process. That's what I felt. Because once it came around time for, you know, the, his funeral service, right. like, I felt like, yes, my brother has passed away, but now I'm already in the zone. I'm mentally like, yo, right. nobody else should have to bury their son. Nobody else should have to bury their brother. You know what I'm saying? Even though I see my brother in a casket, I'm already thinking, how can I make sure that my homie from down the street don't get put in a casket? How can I make sure that my other brother don't get put in a casket? You know what I'm saying? So I, it, it just helped me skip a couple steps in a grieving process and it helped me push me forward. So, so one of the things I'm hearing you say is what um, a lot of people feel is good for them is like you said, to be able to release that anxiety, yeah. to be able to release that sadness. And I think what, what we know about pain is that pain demands to be felt. 
No matter if you're if you're an artist, no matter if you're a psychologist or or uh, a beautiful radio personality, um, <laughs> pain demands to be felt, and yeah. I think having the opportunity to take the power and the the intention, saying like, look, this sucks. Let me actually do this to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and to be able to work through that, that's really powerful. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was, like I said, it was such, it, the music became like the light in the darkest tunnel, in the darkest tunnel. And honestly, when I released that project, I just literally made it for like literally 20 people. I had the groups, I had to like, because ironically, I was mad at my brother's friends also, and then I was mad at the, the people who did the killing also, because I was mad at his friends like, yo, you knew he had children. You knew he had a life. You could have been like, nah, bro, let's stay in the house today. You knew like, something was coming. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That's, yeah. That was my perception. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if I'm your brother, right? If I'm your brother and I truly, truly love you, I'm going to tell you, hey, hey it, ain't, it ain't safe. Don't do like, that. It ain't safe outside. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's real love. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, I want you to live. I don't want you to do reckless stuff. So when I made that, I was so angry and frustrated. I had people's faces in my head as I'm writing those songs. And... um. Once it came time for it to, to come out and seeing that it was so well received was like even more of a stress reliever. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they get it? Oh. And then like um, uh, a friend of mine who was also a friend of my brother's, he, told, he hit me up on Facebook like, yo, I was so frustrated until I heard your tape. I wanted to kill somebody and I realized I'm going to be in the same cycle. That touched me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo. Yeah. I just changed your perception? What? This was me ranting. This is my pain. Right. And right, I right. touched your soul. You know what I'm saying? So that was, it was an amazing But I think thing. by you being able to acknowledge your pain, by yeah. you being able to express that, you give others that inspiration and motivation to be able to release theirs. Yeah. Because you validate that pain. You, you help people know, like, look, I'm not the only one going through something. Yeah. And, and, and what you were talking about with your, your brother's friend, actually a question I was going to ask, how do you balance, like, your your journey of growth and, and your kind of quest for this positivity with other negativity or other people who may not be at that same place? Because we all have those people in our lives, right? Yeah. Um, the way I tend to balance is everybody has their own journey and everybody deals with pain differently. Everybody deals with pain differently. Some people express it. Some people write it down. Some people take drugs. Some people drink alcohol. Everybody deals with pain differently. And I, I'm not judging nobody. I'm not here to... Uh, uh, crucify anybody or anything like that. I just, I understand, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and me trying to understand everyone, it gives, it gives me peace in a sense. That's what I would try to say. Like, mm, okay. I'm gonna try to understand your pain instead of like, almost like a God complex looking down on them like, oh, you, you're doing A, B, C, and D. It's like, yo, I understand that you're going through pain, so it gives me peace because I've been there too, in a sense. Yeah, that can really, that really resonates with you, right? Yeah. Like you can acknowledge somebody else's pain and know that they have a different process from yours, but that we all go through that pain. Exactly. And, and in that, I'm even wondering, like, how do you manage that conflict, either with, like, yourself or with other people? Because we've all been through those arguments, right? Yeah. We've all had those, those nasty cries with people that we love. Yeah. We've had those arguments, verbal arguments with people in our lives. Like, how do you, how do you work through that? My main thing is, like, I... I do not like to see people sad at all. Nobody, whether it be my child, my, my sister, my brother. I don't want to see nobody sad. You know what I'm saying? So okay. I'm very, very selective with my words and my, and my frustration. Like, I'm the type of person where, let's just say I'm in the middle of an argument. I'm walking away. 
You might really hate me for walking away. I might be a coward or whatever you want to call me for walking away, but I will because I don't want to say nothing that's going to make it worse. You know what I'm saying? Until I, yeah. until I separate myself from this frustration and analyze my feelings, then I'll come back like, yo, okay, this is where I'm at. This is what I meant to say. This is what so, it, so in that process of taking that time away to take that, that breath to cool off for a second, yeah. how do you know when you're ready to re-engage with people? Because I think, and the reason why I'm asking you that is because a lot of people don't know that they need that breath, yeah. and a lot of people don't know when it's good for them to come back. So what people do is, like those who need breath, for example, they'll just stay in it, and they'll just yeah. keep yelling, and they'll keep yelling without recognizing that. So how do you know when it's time for you to come back that way? Well, my gift and also my curse is I'm an extreme overthinker. I like to, well, it's not a thing I like, but I overthink about everything. So I think about, yo, if, if I stay here, right, my emotions get high, your emotions get high. Two negatives, and not, this ain't math. If you're negative and I'm negative, it's not going to make a positive no, at all. Uh, this is uh, not uh, multiplication nope. at all, right? So if I'm really frustrated and you're really frustrated, only negative things are going to happen from that frustration. And I understand that, and I see... To me, honestly, like I see a bigger purpose for my life and people's life around me. So with that bigger purpose in the back of my head always, it's like a constant ringing sound. I know like, yo, if I take this to that next level, this can happen, and then that can happen, and then that can happen, and then that can happen, and then my whole life is a bust. You know what I'm saying? So I, I honestly, like just to even go towards that. So the night my brother passed away, right? We were all at the hospital in the uh, waiting room, right? And um, the indicator for me that he was gone is, I don't know the lady's young lady's name, but she just comes screaming down the hallway my brother's name, and it's like, he's gone, right? Um, and I instantly went black. I was like, I have to kill someone. I have to kill someone, right? Somebody has to pay for this. But literally, this is, this is why I believe in a higher power. Two days before that, I found out my lady was pregnant, and she was with me, wow. right? She was with me at the, when my brother passed away. And I'm thinking, all right, if I go kill someone, right, or someone has to pay for this, right, mm -hmm. then my child is left without a father. So now that's right. two of my mom's sons gone, whether I'll be in jail or something happens to me, right? right so right. that's two of my mom's sons gone for someone else's frustration. You know what I'm saying? The, when, when my brother passed away, it wasn't his frustration that led to his death. It was someone else's frustration, right? So two of my mom's sons gone due to someone else's pain. And then I thought about that, and I'm like, yo, I... Uh, I don't want my daughter not to have a father. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I had Absolutely. a father, and I know, I know the importance of it. I know the importance of having parents, man. It's very extremely important to have parents. So, How they shape our lives and understanding. Man, yeah. man. Any parents in the audience? Hold on. We're going to ask that again. That was yeah, so that was, dry. Was, like, yeah, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Any parents in the house? There we go. Thank you. Just Thank you, Mom. Just had Mother's Day. There we go. Father's Day coming up. That's powerful, man. Yeah. And yeah. I'm wondering, either from, from your parents, from other people yeah. in your life growing up, where did, the, where did the understanding of I need to understand and, and be aware of my emotions come from? Because, and the reason why I'm asking you this is because you were able to name, I feel so frustrated. I feel so filled yeah. with anger. Yeah. And a lot of people either, like I shared earlier, don't know or don't realize that, yeah. or if and when they do realize that, 
they actually tried to push that away. Yeah. So where, where did you start to hear, like, you know what, I need to express these emotions? Um, honestly, I bottled a lot of stuff in for the longest. Um, in the, like, uh, like, through my high school years, I bottled a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff. And I was, uh, sure. But I, I think it was around, like, 2021 where I released some emotions on, 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 in music, and it felt good. Like, yo. This feels extremely good. I feel better. I don't, I'm not hurting anymore. I, I let that go. Did you notice like an internal change when you started, you know what? Damn, like this actually feels good to say like, I'm sad, even though we don't want you to be sad, obviously, but just to be able to let that out. Did you start to realize that? Yeah, it, well, honestly, so I went through like an extremely spiritual phase in my life. Like, I don't want to call it a phase, but it's extremely spiritual time. Like an awakening almost? Like an awakening, yeah, right? Yeah. And just that prayer was a, was a release in itself. So just prayer in itself was like, ah, I feel better. I released that. So then I just literally turned into on, on top of beats. You know so, what I'm yeah. So even for members of our audience or folks who are going to be listening to the podcast later, do you have a sense of what you would want to tell them if they're struggling to think about their emotions and like kind of in that phase of where you were earlier about bottling everything up and yeah. not letting it out? What I would want to say to people who's dealing with any type of bodily emotions is, you're not alone. You know what I'm saying? I, I realized that for the longest time, the longest time. Um, and um, by me expressing my feelings and, and saying it to someone, someone literally can empathize with it. Like, yo, I went through that too. Yes. I've been through that too. I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then yeah. that gives you a piece of serenity too. It's like, oh. You, 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 you felt my pain? You've been through this too? Oh, I can, now I can come talk to you. Now we can have a conversation. Oh, you've been through what I've been through? Oh, and you got past it? How'd you do it? What, what steps did you take? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I think two of the things I really want to highlight. One, when we're going through different mental health concerns or, and emotions, a lot of that feels like such an isolating period. Yeah. Like we're the only ones going through this. We're the only ones that know our pain, yeah. and we can't express that. Yeah. And, and the second big thing here is, you know what? By me having this pain, it means that I'm not good enough to do, to handle stuff. Yeah. It, it means that if I wasn't able to figure stuff out to kind of prevent this from happening in the first place, yeah. then that means I'm not good enough. Yeah. And that's so not how like life works, right? Yeah. Because life is hard. Yeah. Would anybody in here say life is easy? Like, If oh, you I think life is easy, raise your hand. Who, who raised their hand? I just land, just land. <laughs> I think that was a stretch or something. <laughs> yeah. No, because like life is all sorts of hard and it affects all of us in different ways. But like you said earlier, we all have pain. It yeah. just looks different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It looks it looks extremely different all the time. But I think one thing just to to retouch on ignorance, I think what I expressed in that project is a similarity in pain. You know what I'm saying? A lot of African American men deal with that pain. And some, you know, Hispanic, what would I say impoverished, impoverished. Okay. People from poverty, I want to just make it a black thing. So a lot of people who grew up in poverty suffer from those same things that I expressed. And like, just to see people reach out is like, yeah, uh, I'm glad that you're able to release that pain. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. uh, I'm glad that my words were ever able to speak to you. You know what I'm saying? That's basically yeah, and, and that's it because in, in communities that have been impoverished with, yeah. and especially also within the African-American community and the black community, we know that for generations and for, and for decades, there's been such a strong mistrust 
yeah. of the healthcare system yeah. as well as the mental health care system. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If you are familiar with the Tuskegee experiment, raise your hand. Oh, okay, I'm speaking to her, right? Yeah, you're speaking to the crowd. Man, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. today, so for those who didn't raise your hand or for whatever, so there's such a mistrust there because um, Alabama, black men in Alabama who were, who were farm workers were intentionally injected with syphilis and then studied about that. So when we then, generations, and it hasn't even really been that long, it's only been, what, 40, 50 years. When we start to think about why people are are hesitant to seek mental health services, why yeah. people are hesitant to talk about their emotions, is because of stuff like that, which, yeah. like you started with, comes from the hands of the man. There was actual policy that legitimized and encouraged that type of study amongst many others. Yeah. And I think going back to the mental health piece, I really just want to ask you simple, straightforward question for you. What is mental health? Um, mental health is like, I feel like it, it's described in its name. It's just making sure that your mental is healthy. I feel like mental health is not taught enough. It's not taught no, enough. No, not at all. And, uh, and then I was thinking about that today, earlier today, because I, this is just me being open about mental health. Uh, earlier today, I had an anxiety attack about this, this speaking, because this is something different. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, so I don't know, I was thinking about my mental health, and I was thinking about how do I get rid of this? You know what I'm saying? Okay, maybe I should meditate. Maybe I should try to talk to someone. Okay. Maybe I should, you know what I'm saying, go get a massage and try to like relax my body physically. Cause it's, you know, anxiety is a physical and thing. And you said you hold a lot of that anxiety physically that yeah, way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So when I think about mental health, right? If we think, when we think about physical health, we're thinking about working out, going to the gym, eating right. What's the mental health exercise? No one, I, no one, I have never heard no one talk about that. How do right. we exercise our mental health? Yeah. How do we, like, if, my, my, my quote was, if mental health was a physical appearance, we'd all be overweight. If yeah. Hold on, say that, because I heard a couple of mm's from the choir. If mental health that was gym a, one more time. If mental health was a physical appearance, we'd all be overweight. So. Yes. Um. <laughs> and so, so I want, <laughs> that is a bar, yeah, amen to that. And I want to be, be intentional about how we're understanding what what overweight means in a sense, especially coming off of the heels of the body positivity workshop that was just here. So understanding that the physical appearance would be, if mental health was that physical, right, mm -hmm. then we would see that and we would see that people wouldn't be looking so healthy. Yeah. Not necessarily just by what shows up on a scale, yeah. right, but yeah, the yeah. physical appearance yeah. would not be as healthy that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like I said, to go back, and um, that's something I'd definitely be interested in, yes. and, and being a part of is how, figuring out the exercises that we need to do and figuring out the healthiness of it. That's something I'm so interested in that because I'm suffering from from the same thing too. Man, podcast aside, just from one black man to another man, I, I really appreciate your your vulnerability up here, man. Yeah. Can we give it up for Katori one time, please? <laughs> And I could be completely honest with you, bro. When I'm coming up here as, as a psychologist, I'm like, I'm be sitting next to this dope artist. Yeah. I'm nervous sitting next to you. Wow. And I think like, I listen for a living, right? Yeah. But I don't necessarily have a microphone when I'm doing therapy, right? Yeah. And, so, and so 
what I'm trying to show you here is that just by highlighting and saying, you know what, I was nervous too. Being able to understand that there's more in common, just like you talk about in ignorance, there's more values that we have in common because everybody has that pain and everybody in this room all the time has mental health. Yeah. All the time. It's not just about when you have a concern. It's not just when, when you have depression yeah. and or anxiety. You have mental health all the time. Yeah. And so as it needs to be taught and discussed in schools early on, it needs to be more normalized that yeah. way. Yeah. 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 What, what's crazy is... Um, I don't know where I saw it, but it was uh, a teacher that had their kids meditate. They were like third or fourth grad graders, yes. and they were meditating in class. You see that clip? Yeah, man. And I was like, yo, that's amazing. You know what I'm saying? I was jealous, man. I didn't even have that myself. Yeah, meditation is such a new concept to me. You know what I'm saying? Like literally this year after the, the passing of my brother, that was such uh -huh. a new thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, what if we grew up meditating and figuring out how to release that pain, you know what I'm saying? Instead of suppress it, suppress it, suppress it, what if we... And even more so that it's okay to not be okay. Well, yeah, yeah. It's yes. okay to be sad, it's okay to be yeah. anxious because life is hard and it's not you not being able to, quote, do life right, yeah. right? Us as adults, it's not about us not being able to adult correctly or as kids not being able to be kids. Yeah. It's okay to not be, be okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, man, I wish I heard that as a kid. Uh, yeah, it's okay to be vulnerable. That's and, that's very important. And you damn well better be vulnerable if you want to have any growth, if you, right? Yeah, if you want to get help, you know what I'm saying. You got to be vulnerable. Let somebody know how you feel on the inside. To anybody here that I know, we all going through mental health issues. But if you're going through something, I guarantee you can find somebody in the same room that's going through what you're going through. I I, I can Amen. guarantee it. You know what I'm saying? I I'd, I'd bet all the dang degrees that I have on that. Yeah. And man, there's too, too many. There's a couple them. degrees. Bro, bro, years. You gotta get your masters and you gotta get your masters, masters. Yeah. Old old Connie, but we're not gonna yeah, talk yeah. about that brother right now. We're not, we're not doing it. No, we're not. <laughs> That's another uh, That's podcast, another day. bro. It's yeah. another podcast. So, <laughs> so I got one more question and then I wanna open it up to everybody here. If there's any random uh, Q&A and we're also gonna have more time for questions and answers. Um, after the panel. Yeah. Mental health is real. Reflecting empathy and love with Dr. Milo Dotson. People who go to therapy aren't crazy. They're human beings with emotions. So this question is going to be super random, so I'm going to let you have some time to think about it for a second. The yeah. question is, what is your ice cream? And let me let me explain that for a mm. second. So growing up, and now you're looking at me I like, was like okay. what's this? Yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, for me, my mom's never had a driver's license. Yeah. And, and she still doesn't to this day. So when we would ride our bikes back from violin, from Little League, from basketball practice, all that, once in a while, when she would be able to save up, and we would be able to afford a pint of ice cream, mm -hmm. about Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Yeah, yeah. And so there was such a feeling of like, I don't know, like calm. I could kind of just relax and enjoy that ice cream. Yeah. And to this day, Ice cream is my favorite. Like, Yessie will tell you, like, why is this dude making us go to ice cream, like, yeah. every day and after yeah. every night? And, and then my other ice cream for me is, as we talked about, is, is sneakers as hey, well. Hey, I'm in the sneakers. We're going to have a conversation because yeah. I'm, I'm really in the sneakers, <laughs> Okay, bro. well, wait, wait, wait. We got, like, five minutes left, bro. We'll right, yeah. Another day, too. Yeah, another day. Another yeah. day. So, so, again, the question as I'm talking about this, I remember riding my bike, my little helmet with the purple sharks on and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
to get ice cream. It was such a special feeling because it was that time that my mom and I got to spend together. Yeah. So for you, again, the question, what is your ice cream? What's that one treat that you get? And not necessarily the sneakers, but the once in a, in a blue moon, once in a while, where you get to just enjoy life or enjoy that thing. Ironically, it's music, and I'm gonna tell you why. So growing up, uh, just, a, a, just a deeper piece of myself, uh, when I was younger, I was in a foster system, right? Mm. So, um, and like, thank God for my dad. He did what he had to do and he got us out. And with that being said, I looked up to my dad and I became like a daddy's boy, right? And my dad was a DJ and he produced and stuff like that. And I was such a daddy's boy. I was always like, dad, can I come? Dad, can I? Cause he was like a DJ around the city. And All I'm right. like, dad, can I come? And he was like, he would always say yes, but I just would be standing there. And like, yo, if you gonna come, you gonna have to learn. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so you gonna, you gonna put these wires together. You gonna help me with these speakers. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, I, I learned like DJing and I learned how to produce and I learned all those things. So like, I would feel like, honestly, I get to have my ice cream every day with music because that's my serenity, that's my peace. Like, if I can, you know what I'm saying, besides like spending time with my family and my child and everything, if I can be in the studio all day, every day, I would do that because it's such a peaceful place. It's such a peaceful thing and just like having my headphones on and in the zone and under, speaking to the mic or hearing what I recorded back through the speakers is such a blissful experience. And then also, like I said, it's a release too. Like, I, yes. I, like that, that's what I said at the beginning of this. I knew that music was what I needed to do because it's the one thing that has been consistent in my life and it's one thing that's always been my serenity, always. So like, I, I, I told myself that if this music thing don't work, it's gotta work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no option. Plan B is make option A work. But you know what, and I'm gonna I'm put my degrees on this. The reason why your music career is gonna work is because you are your music career. Yeah. And all the emotions that you've experienced, all of the vulnerability, all the pain, the joy, the sorrow, all of that together is what makes your music so powerful. Yeah. And that's what everybody looks for in their lives and in their profession. Yeah. So again, your your music, you're you're more than just what you do, but what you do is a part of who you are. Yeah. And that's why you succeed, brother. Thank you. That's why you Thank succeed. You. Thank you. Give it up for Katoria Walker one more time, please. Yes. Yes. So we have before you get up. <laughs> I was I was facing the oh, crowd because I know we audience. probably got some questions. <laughs> All right, uh, we have time for just a couple questions. Um, we do have an amazing panel after this to attend as well as a special performance from Katori after the panel. So if you all guys right. have any questions, first of all, can we give them another round of applause, please? So we have a mic on the right of, my, of the stage and then I have a mic as well. So if anyone has any questions they would like to ask Katori or Dr. Dotson, um, you know, please feel free to raise your hand. And we got someone here. We got a question. What's up? How's everybody doing? My name is Maya. I have a question for Katori. Um, I'm also an artist, and my sister passed away, but many years ago. So I completely relate to what you've been through. However, I feel like it's super personal, and I'm not. I'm still not ready to just like talk about it, like this is the most I've ever just, you know, even spoke about it publicly. Mm -hmm. So how, do you, how did you get so like, so quickly to be able to express it and 
you know, what did, if I never get to that point, are there any other like ways you can suggest? Uh, my way is just a perception of it. Uh, there's so much power in vulnerability. And just like you said, like how I express that my brother passed away, your sister passed away, correct? Yeah, um, what was your name? Maya. You're not the only person who had a sister pass away. You know what I'm saying? And for you to connect with your fans and the people that love your music, you have to express that and let them know like, yo, I'm human too. I'm not this brick wall with no emotions. That's what, if we think about, we can think about the music that just sounds good to our ears, but if we think about the music that feels good to our soul, like the, the Pox and the Biggies and the Kendrick Lamars and the Beyonce's, it's not their good music that we love, it's the music that I feel like she wrote that for me. He wrote that song for me. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, if, if, if that may be something that you don't want to talk about, maybe that one subject, but just other things, you need to understand that there's other people going through what you're going through. And you need to release that. If you bottle that, that up, you may not even need to release the song to the world, but that energy and that hurt, release that, because I promise you, you're going to get to the next level. I promise you. Anybody else with another question? Yes. Uh, my name is Nakia. I'm wondering, after you were finally fearless to be vulnerable, did you have anyone like making you second guess it, maybe not regret it, but ever feel bad or uh, ashamed at all? Not so much ashamed. Uh, as an artist, uh, in my vulnerability, I always, I think that's the battle as an artist. You always second guess it because um, you hear music on the radio, right? And you're like, yo, oh, that song worked. Maybe I should do something like that. Or maybe that's how I get to the next level of my music career. That maybe that's how I get a Grammy and stuff like that. So I second guess it in that aspect. But just being me, I would never second guess that because I, I love myself. And in order to contender, continue being a better me, I have to continue being me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah. Hey, Amen. Could you, could you just say that, I love myself, one more time? I love myself. Could we collectively say that together? I love myself. I love myself. Amen. That's such a, those are such damn powerful words, man. I don't think we say that to ourselves enough. Man. I think you always say, if you ask them one thing, um, if they were to be asked, who do you love or what do you love, how many things will you name until you say yourself? Mm. Mm. As well. Before That's we, we name Dr. all Dotson. the things that we love, it's, it's our daughters, yeah. right? It's our children, it's our families, it's kicks, it's everything else. But somewhere, we don't make it on that list. We don't yeah. make it in that top five, yeah. right? Yeah. When you think about it. And, when she and, asked that, I thought about like, oh yeah, my mom, my family, right. my daughter. Music. So what, what I heard Yessie say there is that we're going to have you back on the podcast to do another episode. We're no, going to talk no, more about hey, something. I'm down for that. I'm so right. down for that. I feel like it could be a part two, part three, part four, yeah. all those things. I love the to Katori talk. Walker series. We are, again, Mental Health is Real. Mental Health is Reflecting Empathy and Love. And you can find our podcast on wherever you listen your podcast to. So all those amazing digital sites. Well, all once right. again, thank you both so much. Thank you all so much. Mental Health is Real, reflecting empathy and love. Produced by Yessi Ortiz and Dr. Milo Dotson. Follow us on our socials at PH Dotson at Yessi Ortiz.